Hello and welcome to Daily Prayer today for July 5th, 2021. Glad that you are with me. Let's go ahead and get started. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. The Lord's unfailing love and mercy never cease, fresh as the morning and sure as the sunrise. Our readings for today are Psalm 62 and 145. 1 Samuel 15, 1-3, and 7-23, Acts 9, 19b-31, and Luke 23, 44-56a. Listen for God's word to speak to you. Psalm 62. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From God comes my salvation. God alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall never be shaken. How long will you assail a person? Will you batter your victim, all of you? As you would a leaning wall, a tottering fence. Their only plan is to bring down a person of prominence. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Selah. For God alone my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from God. God alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress I shall not be shaken. On God rests my deliverance and my honor, my mighty rock, my refuge is in God. Trust in God at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before God, God is our refuge for us. Selah. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balance they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no confidence in extortion and set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. And steadfast love belongs to you, O Lord, for you repay to all according to their work. Psalm 145 I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. God's greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall laud your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. The might of your awesome deeds shall be proclaimed, and I will declare your greatness. They shall celebrate the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and God's compassion is over all that God has made. 
All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your faithful shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power, to make known to all people your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all God's words and gracious in all God's deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, satisfying the desire of every living thing. The Lord is just in all God's ways and kind in all God's doings. The Lord is near to all who call on God, to all who call on God in truth. God fulfills the desire of all who fear God. God also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love God, but all the wicked God will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh will bless God's holy name forever and ever. 1 Samuel 15, 1 through 3, and 7 through 23. Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish the Amalekites, for which they did not did in opposing the Israelites when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both men and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. He took King Agog of the Amalekites alive, but utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Saul and the people spared Agog, and the best of the sheep, and of the cattle, and of the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was valuable, and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless they utterly destroyed. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me, and has not carried out my commandments. Commands. Samuel was angry, and he cried out to the Lord all night. Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, and Samuel was told. Saul went to Carmel, where he set up a monument for himself, and on returning, he passed on down to Gilgal. When Samuel came to Saul, Saul said to him, May you be blessed by the Lord. I have carried out the command of the Lord. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop! I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. He replied, Speak. Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? 
The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agog, the king of Amalek, and I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But from the spoil the people took sheep and cattle, uh, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obedience to the voice of the Lord? Surely to obey is better than to sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is no less a sin than divination, and stubbornness is like iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, God has also rejected you from being king. From Acts chapter 9, verses 19b through 31. For several days, Saul, Saul the apostle, not Saul the king, was with the disciples in Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem among those who invoked this name? And has he not come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? Saul became increasingly more powerful and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. After some time had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they, they were watching the gates day and night so that they might kill him. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. When he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the the apostles, and described for them how on the road he had seen the Lord who had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He spoke and argued with the Hellenists, but they were attempting to kill him. When the believers learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Meanwhile, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was built up, living in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and increased in numbers. And from Luke 23, verses 44 through 56a. It was about noon. And darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw that he had what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly, this man was innocent. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for this spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home, 
beating their breasts. But all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph who, though a member of the council, had not agreed to their plan and action. He came from the Jewish town of Arimathea and was waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in a linen cloth, and laid it in a rock-hewn tomb where no one had ever been laid. It was, that, it was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed, and they saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, now we have the second sort of part or the second story in the fall of Saul. Samuel comes to Saul and says, I want you to go and completely and utterly destroy the Amalekites. Now, we'll take a little bit of pause here and first ask, why is that? And then we'll deal a little bit with the whole genocide issue, which is a major one. But anyways, the reason that they are to attack the Amalekites is because the Amalekites, when the uh, nation of Israel or the Hebrews were coming out of Egypt while they were wandering around the, in the wilderness, the Amalekites came and attacked them. Um, after that, there's this very clear sort of, uh, they are the enemies of God's people. They are the enemies of the Israelites. So there's this enmity and this hatred between these peoples, which sort of builds up to this moment. Now, finally, maybe we're, we're strong enough, and I want you to go and completely and utterly destroy them. Now, does this mean that God directly wanted, you know, that that these people be completely and utterly destroyed. I don't think that's necessarily that's uh, consistent with the character of God that we understand, especially through Jesus Christ. So what does this mean? Well, it could mean that there was a misunderstanding. It could be that it's, it's um, a story told to us for this, for this purpose. Um, it could be all sorts of different things, but it is something that we need to kind of struggle with. There are aspects of scripture that are deeply violent, especially the Old Testament. And modern readers, as modern readers, sometimes we have a really hard time with it. But it is the scripture that we have. Um, and so we need to sort of wrestle with it and try to figure out how does this all work together. The important part of this story, and the, in fact, the important part of the fact, or the, this order that everyone is to be destroyed, is the fact and the, the point of the story that Saul doesn't actually do it. The instructions are to just completely raise the whole city. Everyone is to die, from the king all the way to an infant, all of the animals, everything is to be destroyed. One of the purposes for this in the ancient world, and especially when we're talking about the people of Israel, is that um, throughout Israel's history, as she would come into a land, if these uh, 
these cities were not completely destroyed, including all the idols, including all of the people. Yes, there was this great temptation to follow all of these other gods, that there would be these people among them that would proclaim, you know, other gods, other idols, all these sorts of things. So that is why in some of the earlier stuff, we saw these sort of bans against particular cities um, for to help the the people of Israel to not be as tempted um, by those idols. Again, death is a pretty high high thing, but that's the that is in this story what is being that's the orders, right? That's the mandate that they have been given. However, Saul doesn't do it. Again, Saul takes things into his own hands. He leaves the, uh, the king alive. Um, he also leaves a bunch of the animals alive. And we presume probably some other people are alive as well. Why would he do this? Maybe to, to trade, maybe to you know, make some sort of peace deal. Um, ultimately, there's a whole lot here about that they're just greedy. There's all this good stuff that they want to take. They're supposed to burn everything absolutely everything but look oh that's really valuable i'm going to take that um so it's really about greed it is about just taking these things well samuel shows up and says what is going on um i think it's in the bit that we crossed over but um you know he goes to saul and he says did you do everything that god told you he's like yeah absolutely i did everything that god said to do Okay, then why do I hear the bleeding of sheep? Why do I hear the the lowing of cows, right? Where did all these animals come from? There's also the bit where um, Samuel is trying to find Saul, and he has gone and set up a worship place for himself. Now, that could either be his own worship place or a worship place for to worship of him, Saul, right? Either way is not real great. Because of this, because he does not do what God has commanded him to do, Samuel says, God has rejected you as king. There's already this sort of that understanding before, but now it's repeated. Oh, you even had another chance and you blew it again, buddy. So God has now rejected you as king. Then we talk about the other Saul. Saul in the New Testament. The apostle, or is becoming an apostle. Remember, he was on the way to Damascus, was struck, struck blind, and Jesus appeared to him, and Ananias healed him, and now he is with the disciples there in Damascus, and he immediately goes to the local synagogue, and he starts to proclaim the name of Jesus, and everybody doesn't know what to do with it. They say, isn't this the guy that was coming to arrest the people who said this? And now he's saying it. They think maybe it's a trick. They don't know what's going on. But again, Saul has been trained to think and to reason. He is a rhetorician. He is able to, to argue very well from sort of the Greek, uh, for the Greek influence. And he has been taught to, to speak. And so he's outspeaking all of the people in the synagogue. And... Again, a theme in Acts is when people are done arguing, when they can't 
they can't actually answer the apostles. They want to have them killed, and so they want to have Saul killed. He had, has this effect on people, and he is lowered out of the wall, um, very much like uh, Rahab and the wall of Jericho, right? Letting the spies out, um, very similar sort of story. Comes to Jerusalem to go and hang out with the apostles, and they don't believe him. They say, wait, 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 wait. no, 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 this has to be some sort of trick. But Barnabas comes and speaks on his behalf and says, no, he's, he's telling the truth. This is what has happened to him. So they allow him to, to spend time with him until he takes off a bunch of people there in Jerusalem and they want to kill him. So they say, uh, we're going to send you on to Caesarea and then you can go to Tarsus back home um, because people are trying to kill you here and we're right next to you. We may get hurt as well. We also are worried about your safety, all that sort of stuff. So they send him on and we'll continue to see Saul and then eventually he'll be known as Paul. Will it makes a huge impact on the early church. And of course, we also have the death of Jesus. A couple of signs accompany the death of Jesus in Luke's gospel, the curtain of the temple. This would be the curtain separating the uh, main temple from the Holy of Holies, the place only the high priest was able to go where the Ark of the Covenant was where the very presence of God was, this splits from top to bottom as if to say that barrier, that wall between God and God's people is now open. There's also darkness over the whole land. There's lightning and thunder. Jesus breathes his last the centurion, a guard, says, surely this was an innocent man. And Jesus' disciples, namely the women, the women are very prominent in this particular part. They watch. They are witnesses. This is a very, very important part of what will come eventually into the book of Acts, that they are witnesses. They have seen all of this. They saw that he is dead. There's no question that he is very much dead. Joseph of Arimathea, who is a low-key believer, he, um, he is looking for the coming of the kingdom of God. He was part of the Sanhedrin, but he did not agree with what they did. He asked for this body of this criminal, which would be a very strange thing, to go and give it a proper burial instead of just being thrown outside the city gates and puts him to rest. The women see this, they are unable to finish the rest of the burial procedures and, and, and ceremonies because it is almost Sabbath. The sun has almost gone down on Friday evening and they are not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And so they see where he is buried. They go back to prepare things so as soon as they can, they can go and finish the burial procedures and, and the ceremonies around death for the Jewish people. And Sabbath comes, and they rest. They stay home because they are observant Jewish folks. So those are our readings for today. Let's go ahead and look at our, uh, let's join together in prayer. Satisfy us with your love in the morning, and we will live this day in joy and praise. Mighty God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn, bringing the glory of our risen Lord, who makes every day new. 
Especially we thank you for the mission and the ministry of the church. Every service that proclaims your love. The people and relationships that sustain us. Our calling to daily discipleship. Signs of new life and hope. People of God, for what else do we give thanks? Merciful God of might, renew this weary world. Heal the hurts of all your children and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Especially we pray for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land. The stewardship and healing of creation. Friends and family members. Neighbors in special need. All who serve your mission in the world. People of God, for what else do we pray? Eternal God, our beginning and our end. Be our starting point and our haven, and accompany us in this day's journey. Use our hands to do your creation, and use our lives to bring others the new life you give this world in Jesus Christ, Redeemer of all. Amen. Now let us continue to praise the words that Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now the grace of God be with us all, now and always. Amen. Bless the Lord. The Lord's name be praised.